I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast Draft Special. That's right. Back again for another episode, episode two. We've survived the teamless Tuesday cuts. Uh, Your host today, myself, Max Bryden, uh, draft special, BBL guy. That's probably where you recognize my voice from. Uh, Had some fantastic feedback from our last episode. We're here again today to run through everything NRL Supercoach draft, hopefully before your drafts in the next couple of weeks. I can't do it all myself, though. And joining me once again, Stevie Hevner. Stevie, how are you going? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Really uh, really good to get some great feedback from the first episode. More than anything, yeah. it was good to just sort of uh, pick someone else's brains about draft uh, yeah. for, for a solid hour. Um, and, mate, you've also had a pretty exciting weekend as well, haven't you? Yeah, we uh, like I said last episode, we came off our draft. Uh, we had to go early because the guru and a few of the boys are going to Vegas, luckily. And so we... We had to go a bit early, which I do not recommend, but uh, <laughs> still the best weekend in the in the year for me. Yeah, nice. Love that, Matt. Well, we're going to dive into any notes that you've got from the draft because we can talk about it all day, but the fact that you've actually gone out and done it is just such valuable experience. We can't wait to share with all of the people who tune in. Uh, and on the rest of today's show, we're going to finish off those positional rankings. We've got 2RF, 5.8, CTW, and fullback to go. We're going to give you an overall rankings for the top 20 players. So these are the guys you should be really considering uh, ordering high on your draft boards. We'll go deeper on the website, but we'll do 20 today on the, on the pod. We're going to talk on a few sleepers. So these are guys we expect to drop pretty late in drafts who might present a bit of value or some good players later on. Chat about some of the different strategies to approaching your draft and then get into some listener questions. I think it's going to be a big show, Stevie. So why don't we just jump straight into it, mate? Your draft on the weekend. Now, listeners to the guru, of course, we, we said this last week, you're in his league that he does a lot of content about. Uh, I tuned in this morning. He's gone 50 minutes on every single pick uh, in, in his draft. And we're not going to go into that detail, mate, but I would love yeah. to just get your general thoughts uh, what were your picks uh, to start with and what was your overall sentiment on the day? Yeah, so um, we drafted on Saturday during the day. So we got a chance to see the Melbourne um, and Bulldogs trial and also the Indigenous and Maori trial. Uh, oh, sorry, Maldi trial. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was, it was quite good. Uh, but we only got a little bit of a glimpse into those two teams and um, those players in the, in those two games. So uh, we quite enjoyed the actual day because we were expecting rain. 
so we got out for a golf game and then we got into the draft, got stuck into draft. And we do a thing where we have to defend our team after we've drafted. So we all <laughs> get around and sit in front of our team, which is drafted on big butcher's paper. And so I'm um, used to, the, I guess, the defending um, my players and my picks. But what I've learned over like 12 years is, you know, we've been doing this, 14 of us have been doing this for that long and we're still have a panic pick in us it's just how you recover <laughs> so um there's a few things that in hindsight is like okay would i do that again maybe not but i guess the majority of my picks i feel like i'm happy to stand behind them and i'm pretty confident for the boys to get me through the next seven months yeah nice man it is it's a long journey that you go on it's like almost into kind of you know girlfriend territory such as the that's length right. of time that you sort of spend with these people yeah um, that's right yeah yeah start off early and really want it it's funny <laughs> you say that the relationship that's a really good way to put it the feeling out period do i like this player or not yeah and that's then you it. get into the the serious uh, commitment stuff towards the finals. Great 100% cuffing season as you get through a nice cold winter. But look, yeah. um, you know, and just a refresher for people tuning in, you've got quite a big league, 14 men. You've got yeah. 17 players as well, 13 on field, uh, four on the bench. But um, you, what what pick did you have? And can you walk us through your first three selections? So I was pick nine uh, in the 14-man league and I was wedged in between the guru and another guy that like we pick uh, quite similarly, so I wasn't very happy when I got picked <laughs> one. But um, as it played out, there wasn't too many picks that we snaked from each other. But I went with uh, Dylan Brown. He slipped to to pick nine, so I was pretty happy to get Dylan Brown there. Considering um, I feel like the Eels' strength of seg- uh, strength of uh, schedule in round twenty seven finals is quite good, so mm-hmm. um, very happy to get him there. And then I was a bit worried after nine. There was a bit of a cliff to the next play. End up going. DCE uh, pick 10, which I probably wouldn't have been happy to get at pick 10, which I thought was a bit early. Um, a few surprising things in the early pick, uh, early picks. Pappy went pick five, actually. So yeah, very, wow. very quiet, uh, very high up the draft board. And, you know, again, we got to see that trial and someone might have got a bit too keen on him. But I still think <laughs> he's around one. Uh, he looked really good in that trial. The only thing I'm worried about is that that goal kicking. So he wasn't kicking in that trial. And I still think he's around one and he can potentially win you, win you a comp. Um, the other things is Turbo went pick three. So he went before Ponga. Wow. Um, and I think that's progressing. Like everyone had a Ponga pick three and I would still take pick three. But Turbo seems to be sliding up that draft board a little bit by how keen people are getting it on him because he's a genuine game breaker as well but i would have picked ponga three um and i guess the final i guess surprising one out of um the round two is with that injury news of david feeder he slipped all the way down to to pick 19 so i think that was the biggest uh movement in our draft um and yeah i think he'll slip in other drafts but i I will say 19 is quite quite um far back for feeder yeah i know he's injured for pick uh, for five weeks and he can he can like start off a bit slow but he could be firing by finals and win you a competition and if you can get a guy with that ceiling in pick two um or yeah pick 19 um uh, sorry round two pick 19 that's amazing value i thought that was really good value for the guy that got him um and so yeah a few of my other picks i got dylan brown one and then i paired him with jerome hughes two i filled out my um two half positions pretty quickly i know we're going to get a strategy a bit later but i I quite like getting a a few of my um my spine players put together early Mm -hmm. and then i saw damien cook on the board and generally i steer away from hookers but 
a pick uh, 42, so round three for our league. I just thought he was uh, too good a value there. So um, I did take him, even though I thought I'd sleep a little bit later on hookers. Yeah, very interesting, mate. There's some really interesting points there. Pappy, I know I put that question into the uh, WhatsApp group for all the subscribers. Uh, it came through asking people if they would take him picks 1 to 10 or picks uh, 11 to 20, and 75% of people said they would take him 11 to 20, even yeah, wow. having watched that trial now. Yeah, I think, wow. um, as we all know with Pappy, he's got all the potential in the world. Goal kicking certainly helps. Um, but, you know, as we've seen him come back from injuries in previous years, it's probably what's going on between the years, which is going to be the only thing that seems to hold him back. But for that late in the draft, particularly anyone sort of picking after sort of pick sort of seven, eight, and nine, um, he's awesome value. So um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go um, in the first round. Um, very interesting first three picks, mate. And, and Cook's probably the one that shocks me the most, given um, uh, Hooker, as, as you as we spoke about last week, isn't necessarily the sexiest position. But no. um, where, where did you end up picking up a fullback? Who have you got uh, at, at the back? Well, that was my. I guess that was part of the reason why I ended up getting um, Cook. A lot of the elite fullbacks went, and I thought, oh, I can be patient on these fullbacks and uh, pick up another spine position. So by the time it got round to my third pick, um, even Gutho was off the board, and many um, of those even second tier fullbacks. So. Uh, but I did kind of leave it a bit too late to, to get a fullback. I was eyeing off Buller. He was the last sort of decent fullback um, on the board. So he went in in round 10 to someone that already had a fullback. So they, <laughs> they picked him up on his bench and something I sort of didn't see coming and maybe I should have... Um, I should have just grabbed him when I could, but uh, I didn't see a bench player going around 10. So I ended up actually with someone that I thought was going to get the Raiders fullback, which is Chevy Stewart. But um, now that uh, that trial's gone and we're coming up to team lists again for the second trial, he hasn't been named a fullback. So I got him quite late and I decided to jump on him. And I, I, was, I am going to be a little bit scrambling through this year to try and find a fullback, um, which is not a great position because those fullbacks can really earn you some good points. But... Um, I'm hopeful that I can find something on the waiver wire. And I end up picking up Kinney as my last pick as well, just to help me through those five weeks without Campbell. Yeah, nice. He won't help you with the round two buy, but uh, decent coverage. I hope he can score a few points with the uh, Gold Coast soft draw to start. Um, and of course, you never know that injury from Campbell. It seems to be getting more serious by the day as well. That's so. right. That's right. Hopefully he can drag on. Uh, nah, I hope he comes back firing, but maybe Kinney can can get a spot somewhere yeah nice mate no no look if i were you and i didn't have a fullback until after round 10 i know i'd be pretty stressed but yeah um and your league is so deep that these are hopefully challenges that um not many people will have to face i will tell you though 12 men it can also get brutal um yes. any other sort of sleepers of note in particular that fell in your draft yeah. that you sort of wanted to highlight so i think this is going to be quite normal um but teddy slipped to the second round so the guy that was 13th pick got grant and teddy as his first two picks and if Teddy can get back to some decent form and, you know, they look pretty good at the trials, uh, I, don't, I think those two picks are quite good. You've got the number one hooker and you could potentially have another elite fullback there. Um, the guy that went second got Cleary, Vow and Gutho as his first three picks. Wow. I thought that was one of the best three picks, um, especially for us, our Cowboys, around 27 Cowboys finals draw is quite good. You're playing Bulldogs in the last round. So um, to have those three as his first three picks, he's got some serious ceiling. 
Yeah, nice, mate. Well, there's some really good stuff and, and hopefully a, a few insights uh, for players, particularly if you don't have the time to go out and do a mock draft, uh, just yeah. hearing it from the horse's mouth of someone who's been out there and done that. Uh, yeah. Some invaluable lessons, mate. So thank you so much for One, sharing. Very quickly, I will say that, yeah, like you said, every draft's different and you know our our draft went this way and it might go different a little way but I w- and one more final lesson i will say that we had a lot of depth and quality to rfs so mm-hmm. um that's something that i thought that you know around 10 and 11 so that's you know what pick 140 for us we're getting pierre cora and lukey and the, and the likes so we thought i thought there was a quality to rfs that slept just because people filled up their to rfs quite quickly yeah, nice, mate. And look, that's a fantastic segue because we're going to get into the positional rankings now. Nice. Uh, we went through three in last week's episode, so um, if you're if if you missed that, please jump in and and have a look. Uh, we're going to start actually in that two RF position as well. Um, and if you missed last week's episode, we're going to be talking about the the top twelve at each position. Um, Stevie, I'll get your list, mate. And what I'll do is I'll okay. jump in and throw any comments. But two RF sounds like probably number one is going to be David Fafita. Is that right on your list? Yeah, he's still at number one. Um, I think he's still great value there. So, and I'd still take him round one, depending on how big your league is. Uh, I'll keep going. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, power through. I got Britton Nakora at number two. Um, I think I said last week I'm pretty high on Britton Nakora. He was just showing his gameplay abilities, line ball running. Like, I'd think the Sharks are going to be a quality attacking team. So, just behind him, I have Tino. The only reason I got Tino behind Britton Nakora is. Just a bit worried about the minutes under Dez. I think he'll be fine, but uh, I just wanted Britton Nakura uh, ahead of him. Number four, I've got uh, Olakuatu. Number five, I've got Patrick Carrigan. Number six, I've got uh, Hopgood. Seven, Katoa. Uh, eight, Murray. Nine, Yo. Ten, uh, Scott Sorensen. Eleven, Toe Harris. Twelve, uh, Tyson Frizzell. Yeah, nice, mate. Interesting list. Uh, a few sort of differences for me. I've, I've got Hopgood as high as three. Uh, just thought last year's base was 57. And if he's got the arm free to offload, then um, sky's the ceiling for him. Average 70 is pretty much a rookie. Coming Especially in, if they run impressive. with a run um uh, if they run two hooker um, rotation, mm. which they have named for the trials. So he's great value there. Yeah, agree. I, I think he's pretty good, albeit um, I, I'm sort of like you when I kind of evaluate guys like him and Tino. If they're not playing 80, yes. um, it's something I, I don't love. Yeah, um, I generally like the strike to RS, the edge uh, back rowers more than the, the, the base that base. Yeah, yeah, no, agree. Um, number nine, I had Sean Lane as well. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, and then the other guy who sort of crept into my list, uh, I don't have Tohu uh, and I don't have Sorensen um, as high in the top 12, although they're just outside. Um, it's Ryan Madison now. Yeah. Um, Maddo, for me, is not a guy that I want to own just because yeah. a guy who's consistently named off the bench I think is just going to give me the kind of uh, stress that I don't want uh, in, in my life following in my draft team. Um, but you can't really argue with his body of work. Um, he seems to get you know 20 points just for stepping on the field and um, another sort of 40, 50 uh, each time he's out there. We know what his attacking capabilities are like um, as well as a, as a ball player who can put players through holes and over for tries. Um, Has he's got good upside. But, as well. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Year on year, he seems to sort of get it done. Um, one guy I, I, I wanted to kind of highlight because... Um, he was a player who started out as a cheapie in Classic last year. He would have gone undrafted in a lot of leagues. Um, was uh, Ecat from the Melbourne Storm. Uh, <laughs> That's what you're calling him now? <laughs> yeah, well. Love that. 
I think um, I got quite familiar with him, uh, having owned him uh, for the end of last season in draft. Can't yeah. can't say I got him for the whole season because um, he was a guy who was originally picked up off waivers. I think he had sort of two or three different owners in our leagues based on some um, sort of uh, injuries, like a eye injury he had last year where his return to play was sort of unnoted. But um, what was really good was definitely his combination with Jerome Hughes to finish the mm. season. Um, he averaging, I think he averaged about 64 to end the year, and I think that was really sort of scratching the surface of what he can do. Um, if he's on him and Hughes, uh, it's a fantastic stack to own um, if you are the Hughes owner. Yeah. Um, and stack for anyone, Steve, you just want to explain that sort of terminology for new draft players? Yeah, so a stack is when you pair up either just people that play next to each other. It's usually a half and a second rower. Um, it could potentially, it potentially be a center and a winger, um, but it's people that play next to each other. They're going to link up a lot on the field. And just quickly, I totally agree with you on Hughes and Katoa. Um, I reckon as they get more and more reps together that they'll start getting better and better and they'll translate to super coach output. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. And look, that's that's a stack that I would love to own um, in any of my draft comps this year if I'm lucky. So um, the, the the depth at 2RF is fantastic. Like even just looking at my list, I've got um, Katoa, Lane at 9, Keon at 10. Um, you know, I, I would I would probably pretty confidently say that um, uh, down as far as ECAT at 8, uh, you've got 8 guys at 2RF who are going to average over 65. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of guys who can really sort of scratch the surface. Cam Murray is another one who we know can easily get back to a 70. It just sort of comes That's down right. to sort of yeah, minutes yeah. and attack for him, really. His average um, from last year puts him down quite low, but you're right, he could easily bounce back to his 2022 average. Yeah, absolutely. But, and the good thing is, is that in general, outside of this top 12, there's still just a lot of quality um, at the 2RF position. So um, my strategy with this position is typically I want one of them um, within my first four picks. Uh, and then, and I'd love to get one of those top eight uh, on this list. And then after that, I'm very happy to kind of sit back and then sort of pick up a value player, maybe a Tyson Frizzell, um, you know, someone like that, even like a Bryce Cartwright, who you know can get you some really sort of steady and consistent scores. Um, one guy I'd love to get your thoughts on, Nat Butcher, um, a bit of a revelation last year, ended up averaging over 60 and um, intermixed so much talent in the Roosters pack to RF. He seemed to sort of be the only one who was consistently getting 80 minutes. Um, where did he go in your draft and sort of what do you, what do you think he's going to do this season? Um, I went. I uh, let me uh, look up where he went quickly, but I'll just talk about. Um, I'm pretty high on uh, Nat Butcher, uh, just because, like you said, there's so many mouths to feed. But I do think, even if he pushes into the middle, he's still going to be a 50 average player. So he's he's the one that he's the safest pick. So he might not have like a, I guess the upside of some of those more attacking players, but you know, last year showed he can get that upside. And, you know, if Walker back, depending on who he pairs with, he could he could even go higher than what he scored last year. And, you know, he's not going to uh, push out the team or push into poor minutes because they've got an ageing pack. So even if he loses that edge to our, to our F, um mm. spot to one of those Wongs or Satili, he's still going to be a safe pick. Um, I think he went around eight. I can't find him uh, at the moment, but he, he went probably where he should have went around the round seven and eight mark. Yeah, nice. No, I think that's that's probably pretty fair value for him. Um, yeah. That's a two RF. So I want to talk to you about five eighths. Now, just like, before we move on, can I just touch on one guy I'm, I'm particularly keen on? You said yeah. a few boys there that I drafted, so I was very happy to hear that you <laughs> agreed with Cameron, Cameron Murray and Bryce Cartwright, which I ended up getting as well. Um, but Patrick Carrigan, he's, uh, he's quite high on my list. He might be 
a bit low on other people's lists. But one thing he I did notice from his average last year, he averaged uh, 83 from round 19 to 26. So yeah. and, and the previous rounds, he only averaged 60 and, and 68. So um, he had quite a strong finish to the end. And if he can get to that form, I think he can... Um, he can push up your list a little bit more. Sorry, I just wanted to get him in before. No, no, off. it's it's a really good shout, and that's why I've got him as high uh, as number six on on, on my list. Um, yeah. I've really put him and uh, Isaiah Yo in the same category as guys who are playing in teams, shooting for a title that really seem to get into their work post Origin three. Yeah, um, uh, Yo's very similar in the sense that you know pre Origin he'll get you fifty five, sixty every week, and afterwards he's at seventy plus. Um, they, the the coaches seem to really want them fit and firing with the eighty minutes and sort of getting into their roles. Um, you know, by the time you're in your Supercoach finals as well, which is which is really valuable to own. And um, I've picked up Carrigan in a number of mocks. Um, he's a fantastic player. So yeah, another I'd be very totally very lucky yeah. to own if I can get to him. Yeah, nice. Let's jump Sorry, into mate. five eighth, and I want to talk to you before we rank these players a little bit about the strategy here, because for me, this is one of the positions that really can sort of separate out the experienced drafters um, versus those who are new. Now, when we, I like to evaluate positions. I like to sort of do it on three different categories. So, so one is ceiling. Like, you know, is this a position where blokes can go over a hundred? You know, the next is um, is their positional depth. You know, and when we talk about guns, guys who can average over 65, how many people at the position can average over 65? Um, and r- realistically, when I look at the 5 position, there's probably only two, maybe three guys who I can yeah. say with any confidence who are going to average over 65. So for me, totally. w- when I think about this position, if I'm not able to jag one of the top two guys on this list, and I'll let you rattle through yours in a second, um, then I'm very happy to wait until probably closer to around five uh, and after uh, and, and try and find some value later on the draft. Um, Steve, any sort of thoughts on that, mate, before you t- take us through your top 12 at 5'8"? Look, it's a little bit boring, but I totally agree with that. There's, if you don't get Brown, Munster or Walker, and that might be your, your list as well, but you're really getting into quite low scoring positions. And then it's also a low depth position 5'8", but I, I totally agree with that um, that strategy. Yeah, nice, mate. So how's your top 12 go? So mine goes Dylan Brown, uh, Cameron Munster. I really think he can, he can bounce back. Uh, Cody Walker, another guy that had quite a good start to last year, but sort of uh, flopped with South's form. Uh, South's falling off a cliff last year. Then I got um, uh, Dearden, Burden, which I'm a bit iffy on. Uh, Jaden Campbell, uh, um, Jerome Lua at pick seven, Brooks at pick eight, Kiri at pick nine. Uh, Mam at pick 10, Gamble at pick 11, and Trindle at pick 12. Yeah, nice. Look, my list is pretty similar. Um, I've got Burton and Dearden round the other way. Uh, I've got okay. uh, Burton at, at number four and Dearden at number five. That's a little bit based on the round 26 final schedule where yeah. um, Dearden will have a bye in, in 25, and the final schedule um, for all Cowboys is, is, is very, very tough. Um, so that sort of does count against him, even though I do think that he could genuinely push towards that gun category this year. Mm. Um, Brooks with his finals draw I've got as high as number 6 Jaden Campbell I've got down at number 9 and he's probably sinking by the day just with that injury and the question marks over it um, the only other guy that I've got differently is, is number 12 where I've got Luke Metcalf from yeah. the New Zealand Warriors but realistically um, I don't want it that kind of headache of trying yeah, to pick from a team where you don't even know about job security so yeah I think he's quite firming into that 12 I wouldn't be unhappy with him at 12 given that he's been named in the in the trials for week two so um but you're right that job security could be a worry throughout the year with the amount of halves they've got 
Now, one of the things that we've kind of bonded on this preseason has been uh, a debate over Matt Burton, <laughs> um, which, you know, this is what draft nuffies do, right? Um, yes. For me, he was a guy in preseason who I was pretty high on um, and went so high as having him ranked within the top 20 players overall, um, thinking that there were a lot of things coming uh, together at the Bulldogs and in his game that were going to push him uh, towards a 65, potentially even 70 average for the season, up from 54 last year, which was quite disappointing. Um, some of those question marks were, is that left edge was going to be Kikau, Crichton, and uh, Josh Adokar, um, you know, just have all the Ferraris on, on, on the same side of the paddock and um, hopefully run a lot of tries down that side. Um, the other question marks were his halves partner and goal kicking as well. Now, we're getting closer to the answers on a few of these things. Goal kicking, yes, seems to be his. Half's partner seems to be Drew Hutchinson, which um, he's quite a ball-dominant guy. Um, and uh, in terms of Crichton as well, it looks like he was going to be over on the right to sort of spread that attack, which for the Bulldogs I don't mind, but for Burton probably does hurt his game as well, just not being able to put him through holes when we're talking about Bronson Cherry, who may take a few rounds to get into the season. So I have cooled a bit on him. But do you have any sort of thoughts? Like, where are you kind of placing him in overall rankings? Yeah, I was pretty pessimistic on him. And that trial sort of firmed that pessimism. Um, the Drew Hutchinson looked quite dominant. Burden didn't do anything there to really excite me. He does have the potential, but I d- it just can't see it yet in the, in that, that Bulldogs jersey. And, you know, the few games he had at, at, at the Panthers when he played in the halves, maybe that's an outlier. And, mm. and maybe he's just going to be that guy that's just sort of an average um, super coach play in the in the round in averaging what did he average last year 57 which is nothing to be sneezed at but he went in round three for us and I think um, you know in a 14 man league that's probably where yeah he should go maybe even round four but that's probably my pessimism showing so um, if you're quite high on him then round three is probably a decent pick. Yeah, nice. Um, look, I don't have anything further to add on 5-8. Jaden Campbell certainly was an interesting one earlier in seasons, but um, the knee injury has probably got, for me, um, uh, down as far as nine. He could be a fantastic late pickup is he, if he is a 60 averaging fullback who's available at 5-8. But um, with the question marks over it at the moment, uh, it's just hopefully a guy that I would, can avoid owning in my league um, unless there's value. And I'm talking picks 90 to 100 plus. Um, if he's still on the board, then I'll strike. But otherwise, don't really want a bar of it. Um, maybe yeah. Anything else to add on 5-8? Uh, I will just say that in our draft, people struggled to find a 5-8. And if you're a 12-man league, like we said at the start, you're going to struggle. Um, Jackson Hastings went at round 12 as a halfback um, who averaged 50 last year. And Jaden Sutherland went as a 5'8 in the same round. So I guess that's a match of the halves quality. The 5'8's the, the lo- a lot more shallower. Um, and very quickly that Kyle Flanagan was looking like he could be a bit of a sleeper, but without the kicking, he's going to be um, bang average, I reckon. Yep. No, that's a good, good call out. Um, mate, let's get into... The center wing right now. This is the sexy position. This is where you're going to see those big scores, the big roller coaster fluctuation of players that you own. Um, we're going to give you 12 right now, or you're going to give me 12. I might give you a couple more, but realistically, if you're serious about nailing your draft, you probably want to be taking your list for center wing is probably as deep as 40, uh, given that most competitions are going to be playing with more than one. 
Um, and plus, most coaches will want to own three, four, five of them. Uh, so they've got bench players uh, at this position and be rotating them on matchups. Now, um, much like 2RF when it comes to center wingers, um, they really sort of fall in two categories. So the first type uh, are these base base. So these guys who um, have lots of runs, um, lots of tackle busts, offloads, and sort of week on week, they're not going to score below a 40. Uh, just based on um, the, the 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 way that their game plans are drawn up, like guys that sort of fit that mold. Dane Gagai from last year was immense. Went a seventy plus average. It was pretty much all base power. Brian Toto, of course, the prototype. Um, but even a few sort of sneaky guys um, like Brian Kelly as well from the Gold Coast with um, deceptively good base. Um, then the next guys are, are really your high upside try scorers. So these are the guys who are going to have those hat tricks against the weaker teams. Um, bag lots of meat uh, and, and I think for me strategically when I'm trying to build my teams which will have two center wingers and some on the bench um, I want a mix of both uh, I, I don't want all base guys and I don't want all um, high upside try scoring guys because um, I want to make sure that I'm matchup proof um, ideally you know you can also find guys who who can sort of do it in both ways but um, isn't always the case because I think there's realistically only about two of them um, in the entire league but Mate, why don't you talk us through your top 12 CTWs for draft? Yeah, no, top 12? Yeah, no race. Uh, let me just skip that. So I've got number one, Greg the Leg Marju. Uh, number two, Val Holmes. Number three, Brian Toto. Just just quickly, I've only got Brian Toto there because of uh, round 27 finals. Um, so if you're in round 26, he'd probably be number two or even number one for me. Uh, number four, Tago. Number five, uh, Azako. Number six, Ruben Garrick. Number seven, Manu. Number eight, Lomax. Number nine, Kiraz. And potentially I could move him up a little bit now that Lomax hasn't got any reps at fullback. Uh, number 10, uh, The Hammer. Number 11, Alex Johnson, and number 12, uh, Ronaldo Mulatalo. Yeah, nice. Nice list, mate. The only two different names uh, that I've got, um, I don't have Ronaldo um, or AJ. They're just outside for me. Okay. Do you have um, Best? I do. I've okay. got Bradman Best at, at, at number 12, who um, I'm quite bullish on. Um, he sort of fits the mold of um, pretty good base for a center. Um, really going to go below 40. Um, and what I do like about him a lot is that he scored 13 tries last season and 12 of them came when Kalen Ponga was playing at fullback. Um, he's in that prime, prime real estate um, inside number one on my list, which would be Greg Marzu. Um, so I think he's in for a, a year where he can easily average 60 um, and, and could be more if Newcastle really start putting um, sides to the uh, to the sword. Um Mate, wanted to just get your thoughts on 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 a couple of guys here. The first one for me is Ruben Garrick. Now, um, players who've been playing Supercoach for a few years would would know that um, he is an absolute Rolls Royce when it comes to centre wing. Um, often provides that handcuff as well of a guy who can play fullback when Tommy Turbo is injured. Um, obviously, you know that's there's a few question marks around that now, given that they've um, what Cooler did last year. Um, regardless, you know he's always a top one or two on this list, but. The move to centre is going to hurt him, but he's still good enough to be a top sort of six or seven sort of pick. Yeah. Um, where did he go in your draft and, and and what would you sort of recommend to people around him this season? So he went round two in my draft and I think that's, oh, wow, that's early. too early. I think the guy that went in is a little bit too early. Um, 
he's like you said, he's he's pick six for me. So he's he's below. I think those three elite guys are Amaju, Holmes, and Toto, and then maybe Tago and Azako bordering on that elite. But I'd just have them stepping down, and then the Garrick I'd have a step below um, uh, those guys just because he's still. He's still going to be goal kicking, and we talked about last week how good the Sea Eagles draw is in both round twenty six and round twenty seven finals. But so you still have that guy that could um, put in you know twenty points just in goal kicking if the Sea Eagles run up a score. And there is a chance that you know it might not work out, and they go, "Hey, center's not for you." We've only seen him a couple of times. They've got so many outside backs at Sea Eagles that mm. rotating pieces. Maybe you take a gamble on that. And I guess there the other gamble is. If you don't think Turbo's going to get injured, and you think Garrick's sorry, if you do think Turbo's going to get injured, and you think Garrick's the next man up, then um, straight back to a seventy average, yeah. That's right, straight back to that average. But I, I personally would probably take him round four onwards, maybe even uh, a little bit under. I don't think he's too dissimilar to, you know, Hammer, who's down at round pick eleven for me. So I wouldn't be mm-hmm. or pick ten for me. Sorry, um, I wouldn't be uh, going too early on Garrick. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like Garrick, Hammer, and Lomax probably present the most kind of you know what ifs yeah. um, uh, around the, the the top twelve for me this year. Um, Hammer's a guy who you know almost touched sixty with his average last season, um, and will still play that fullback jersey. And you just got to think that you know on everything that he has done. Um, playing for Queensland, that the potential is there for him to be an absolute super coach stud. Um, it's just going to be a bit more of that um, uh, consistency that we want to see from his game. That yeah, maybe that base right. come up a little bit, but you know his try scoring ability is unmatched. Yeah. Um, Lomax as well. We've heard the whispers. We've you know it's been debated on a million podcasts in terms of will he won't he play wing or play fullback. Um, if he does stay at wing, you're probably sort of thinking he's going to average fifty five to sixty with a solid base, um, decent work rate. A um, couple of tries and some goal kicks as well. But if he does move to fullback, that would really sort of bump him up this list as well. Um, I know who took the plunge uh, in your league on him uh, because he spoke about it on his very <laughs> uh, nationally uh, syndicated podcast this morning. Um, but look, where, where did you sort of have Lomax on your board and where would you have been happy to take him? Well, I thought, oh, I hate giving him credit, but I thought Guru did well to get him uh, fourth round. I think that's a, a decent pick, even if mm. he keeps that wing spot. Um, he's a pretty good uh, center winger or center or winger anyway. And, you know, moving to, to winger, you argue you might do uh, more base work. But he's going to be in and around the ball and that upside of potentially playing fullback in the future, I think he's around four easily. Yeah, nice. And look, the last guy I want to touch on in um, center wing because I think with this, again, you'd be lucky to own any of the blokes in the top 12. Um, maybe you go hard strategically and grab two um, and you become a nightmare matchup if they all fire. But... Um, a guy I've had a lot of debates with um, with different people on the internet so far this preseason, such as the joy of uh, talking about draft, um, is Dane Gagai. Now, Gagai hasn't always been a super coach relevant player. Yeah. Um, typically in this position, um, he, he's he's scored well without being spectacular. But last year, he just really went to another level. Um, his base and power combined, I think, was over 50 uh, and his average was about 71 on the season. And it seemed that everyone was disrespecting those scores every single week saying, you can't keep it up, you can't keep it up. Yeah. I bought him in classic. I owned him in draft um, at the end of the year and he did. Um, he was fantastic. Averaging 70 and only scoring three tries um, for the season. That's like second row numbers basically for what numbers, he did. But yeah. 
people are concerned that that was a statistical outlier um, and worried if he can keep it up. Now, my take on it is this. I think that the Newcastle Knights coaches have deliberately modelled their game plan on what's been successful for Penrith, which we know is a lot of runs from the back five when the ball's in your own half because it gives the forwards an opportunity to have a breather. Um, they've got a lot of big boys and, and a big forward pack. But I would suggest if you looked into the numbers that the runs from the Newcastle Knights back five would be more than what most clubs are doing. And hence, I think that he can go close to what he did last year and potentially repeat it. But I'm not getting a lot of confidence uh, with that opinion, mate. So where do you sit, Stevie? Uh, I think that, yeah, like you said, there's two ways you can look at it. The That he scored three tries last year and the, He's bound to get more tries than that. I, I firmly do believe that. Um, but I'm a sort of risk-averse guy when it comes to age. So that's when I, I look mm. at a guy that's 33 and how much workload can he keep up. And, you know, Gagai um, looked really good in that uh, All-Stars game. But I am nervous that his age, you know, how many reps can he take out of the back, his back end um, cutting that ball up and I generally when I look at my centre wingers I like you said you look at the tries they scored last year and the base they got through and their age so all those three combined will am I going to see upside and he's a, a bit of an enigma because he doesn't have many tries but I'm worried mm-hmm. about his age and so that's why I've just gone I'd rather be someone else's problem but if you are high on him I don't think he's going to really let you down too much. I don't think his base is going to fall through the roof. Uh, Sorry, fall through the floor. Um, He's just one of those guys I do look at him and go, oh, I think that I'd rather let someone else deal with that and I'm not as confident that he can reproduce what he did last year. Yep, no, fair enough. And I think that's enough on center wing. Uh, I believe on the article on the website we went deeper. We might have gone yeah, to, to 20. 20. Yeah. yeah. So if you are um, interested in our opinions on that, head to the SC Playbook website. Um, if you're not a subscriber, that's very easy to do. Give your money over to the great Tim Williams and he will sort you out quick smart for your draft. Now let's get to the final positional review for our rankings of this preset. This is fullback. Now this is the Ferrari position, right? These are probably going to to hold, I would say, three to four of the top five scoring players for the entire Supercoach season. Yeah, um, These are the guys who can touch God, as we said. They can go 150-plus. <laughs> they can go 200. Um, and these are the guys who largely are going to go in the first round as well. Um, this is a fun position to own someone good at and a position that can really make or break your season, as I hope you don't find out too much, Stevie, with your Keanu Keeney uh, own uh, in your main draft league. But can you please run me through your top 12 fullback projections for draft this season? Very nervous, very nervous. And what you said, <laughs> like you said, uh, um, the fullbacks are generally the guys that hold up your, your team. You get your most points from that. And I think last year, I can't remember what the stat is. It's on the article on the website, but I think it was three of the top five were fullbacks or mm. something like that. Um, uh, and in a captain's league, that's the guy that you generally captain as well, just quickly to add to that. Yeah, so my call. is uh, starting off number one, Caelan Ponga, two, Turbo, Three, Trell, and maybe I'm just believing um, the body I'm looking at, but I, I do think he can get to that 82 average he had in 2022. I think he had that. Uh, four, Scotty Drinkwater. Five, Walsh. Six, Pappenhausen. Seven, Tedesco. Uh, eight, Gutho. Nine, Edwards. Ten, Kennedy. Eleven, Hammer. Twelve, uh, CNK. 
Yeah, nice. I think that's a really reasonable list. The one guy you may have missed might have been Ruben Garrick, uh, yeah. who technically qualifies as a dual. Yeah. Um, and I think you had him above Hammer in your CTW ranking, so he could sort of scrape into that top 12. Yeah. But yeah. M- mine's pretty similar. Um, I think that's a good list. And obviously, you're probably taking a bit of consideration into round 27 finals. Um, the real only sort of changes for me on that list um, come in sort of positions three to six, uh, where I've got at number three, um, Walsh. Uh, number four, Latrell, and number five, Drinky. Now, um, Drinky's a really interesting one because if you look at the final system for 26, he's got a buy in round 25, and I think he's got the Melbourne Storm in round 26, which is an absolute nightmare. Uh, I think he's got Penrith as well in round 23 or maybe the Broncos. It's um, I think it's the Broncos actually, yeah. So it's a very, very difficult run for finals. So hence, despite his average being incredible last season, I think he's I've just got him behind those other two. The thing that counts, against, that counts for him though is that if you look at positions two uh, through all of this list, there's a there, there are question marks on them all, right? Now, I've owned Tommy Turbo the last two seasons in draft, which is why I'm sitting here without a championship ring on my finger. Um, you know, this is a guy injury prone that typically in years we've, we've avoided and, and made someone else's problem. Same also goes to Callum Ponga. Last year, he was like a, a, a typical third-round pick um, based on the risk of head knocks. Um, Latrell. Yeah, he's barely played more than 16 games a season for, yeah. for, for a number of years. Yeah. Um, and, and Pappenhausen's, uh, his injuries are also well documented. But I think that this is also speaks to the position that you've got to take a risk if you really want to be the person who sort of wins it, um, wins your league, don't you? Yeah. I, it's funny that I didn't even think about uh, Latrell with those. I definitely Ponga, Turbo, and Pappy can all win you. Uh, um, a championship, same with Latrell if he's on, but they all, like you said, have injury issues. The safer picks are Scott Drinkwater and Reese Walsh, which who haven't showed any real injury concerns. But that upside you can get in those those four guys you mentioned um, is just worth the risk for me. And like we said, the top three or five um, players will be uh, fullbacks uh, outside Hines and Cleary. Um, and if you can pick one of these guys that stays healthy, he can get a ring on your finger and a championship. Yeah, nice. Um, I think that the fullback position for me has also been one where there's been a lot of movement in preseason. Um, I think uh, Pong has probably been the out-and-out number one uh, since the uh, the app opened really on Australia Day. Um, but a guy who for me has firmed very heavily into number two has been Tommy Turbo. Um, I know you had him in the exact same position, mate. What is it for you um, why you've got him above the likes of his other contemporaries? Um, I'm just a Turbo believer. I know, like you said, he's had his injury issues. and uh, But just when he's on the field, he can your team could be awful um, and you could just have him get 120 um, and win you win your game. So he can literally carry your the rest of the team that you draft, your spuds that you draft, and he can get you a, a championship, just just him being on the field. And I'd rather roll the dice on that than mm. um, go for, a I guess, a less lesser player in my yeah, eyes. No, that's it. I, I tend to agree as well. Like the, yeah. There's been obviously those comments that came through on their Instagram about he's, you know, hasn't run this fast for two years. Um, <laughs> the thing for me as an owner last Train year, the house, yeah, that's it. You know, like um, for me last year, the thing was um, it was such a frustrating own because you'd see him get into open space and like hand over the ball or um, just didn't look very quick. And then you'd look down and you'd be annoyed and he'd still scored you 80 points. Yeah. Um, he's just got such a rare ability um, to just accumulate points and, and stack them up. Um, it is crazy when you think about it. Like, he doesn't even goal kick and he can just stack all those points up. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's um, 
he's uh, he can really, really just exploit things that other players can't. Yeah. I think just because of his um, uh, combination of, of speed, but also size as well. Like he's sort of got that Latrell um, tackle busting uh, breakthrough, uh, a half gap uh, ability, um, you know, and 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 a top end speed, which is also elite for the position. So yeah, um, he's good. And I think that if he's dropping below pick four um, in any draft that you've got, then um, you'd probably be questioning the decision making capabilities of those top guys. Um, oh, that's right. And if you're later in the in the round and you see him there, that's this gold for you. If the, you might have a few people that don't don't want the risk. I know we've got a few people in our league that have been burnt by Turbo and wouldn't take mm. him in the top eight picks. So if you're there and, and willing to roll the dice, that's yeah, that's great value. Yeah, nice. And look, we didn't touch on this at the start, but strategically with fullback, um, I was going to say that you know the top. Six of these guys between Ponga Turbo, Walsh, Latrell, Drinky, and Pappy are all going to be off the board within the first ten picks. Yeah, um, you're looking at probably Tedesco, Gutherson as well, gone in round two. So that's down in round eight. Yeah. Now, if you are a guy who is favouring other positions, halfback, second row, um, maybe five eighth, you know, um, uh, within your first handful of picks, how late would you be waiting to jump on some of those guys from nine down? Uh, like a Dylan Edwards, like a Garrick, a CNK or a Kennedy, would you be leaving that, um, you know, as, as late as like around five, around six or from your experience on the weekend, is this just something that you want to get done in like round three as soon as you can? Look, if I had my time again, I, I probably still would do the same thing. I think it was this, some guy wanted to take that, uh, another fullback on his bench and I don't think that's uh, common practice. Um, mm-hmm. It depends on your league size. So you, like you said, that's eight that you've just listed there, there in the round one and two fullbacks that are gone and so if you've got a league size of eight or league size of uh 10 then you could potentially wait quite late um if i were to learn from my experience i'd probably if there's two fullbacks on the board that you that your last fullbacks that you're willing to take then take them earlier rather than later but mm. um if there's quite a few people like you said like Jaden campbell um even buller's still there kennedy's still there like you i would it's hard to split those ones those guys for me so if you have to, if one goes around five, um, and you can focus on other positions, and you can get uh, the guy that you had third on your list out of those three, like Buller, um, and he goes in in round twelve, I think that's a much better play in my opinion. So, um, uh, vibe it out, see how many are left. Don't leave yourself too short like I did. Uh, but if there's a few left on the board, um, I would focus. And you think they're very similar, uh, going to have very similar scores, yeah. then. Uh, and then focus on other positions. Yeah, no, fair enough. I'm well put. And I think that the only other part about strategy at the fullback position I'd love to touch on is that we mentioned that all of these guys have got injury concerns of some sort uh, over them, right from Ponga down. Um, it is really bringing guys like um, uh, Hammer uh, into uh, potential round three picks as soon as that, as someone CTW1, um, yeah. just given that um, uh, him... Garrick, um, potentially Lomax, if he actually sort of moves there as well, they'll they'll have that dual position, um, so you can sort of swing them down. So it's yeah. good coverage if you're the Turbo owner, the the Latrell owner, um, even the Pappy owner to a lesser extent. Although I probably think that most people would handcuff that with a Suafoa Longo um, later in the draft. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. that you got to get the... you, that's right. You got to get full Longo if you get um, Pappenhausen. And very quickly before we move on, um, definitely you always want a fullback that's actually playing that position. Um, in NRL in your fullback slot. So I guess that's why I've got Garrick a little bit further down on the fullback, mm. fullback list. I'd rather um, 
have a fullback, even if they're not as high projected as a as Garrick um, in my fullback slot. Yep. No. Good. Good call out. Now, mate, that is the positional rankings done, um, which awesome. is great over the two episodes. And what we're going to do now is talk about our overall top twenty. Um, we're going to go deeper than this on the website itself, but just yep. for the interest of time. I'm going to give you my top 20 players this season. Uh, I'm going to read them out in increments of five, and then I'll pause and get your comments. But hopefully this will give people an idea of how uh, my pre-draft board is shaping up um, and how people might like to arrange their own pre-draft board just so they can spot value uh, in the heat of a draft. So, mate, you ready to go? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh. Awesome. All right. So the first five, number one, Nico Hines, two, Nathan Cleary, three, Kalen Ponga, four, Tom Travojevic, and five, Reese Walsh. Mate, anything that to call out, anything of note there? Um, I think that's going to be pretty standard. Maybe Hines and Cleary will switch depending on what final system you're playing. Um, but I think you can't go wrong with either of those two. Uh, and I would have the same order. The only one I probably wouldn't... I would have Walsh a bit further back. I just would rather Latrell and Drinky in my situation, but I get Walsh is the better pick in your situation. Yeah, nice. Well, look, you don't have to wait long to hear those names because in pick number six, I've got Latrell Mitchell, seven, Scott Drinkwater, eight, Dylan Brown, nine, I've got Ryan Pappenhausen, and 10, David Fafita. So anything to call out there? Um. Yeah, I just want to uh, touch on your point. Still having David Feeder around uh, pick 10, um, I think that's a, a great play. Like I said, we're focused on the end of uh, the season, not the start. Would you would you think that people should uh, slip him down the list based on the injuries had? For me, what I... I, I think that for me is already slipping him down the list okay. based on this position. I've, I've got him at 10th. I think I've, I've had him as high as numbers number eight or seven. Yeah. Uh, in some iterations of this. Um, but no, as you said, great. Yeah, best of position. It's a it's an important position to nail if you want to win your league. Um, probably for me, more important than 5-8th where you'd hope to get some value later on or hooker as well, which is why I haven't mentioned Grant yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why I've got him at 10th. Yeah, no, that's, that's where I'd probably have him as well. Nice. Okay, so number 11, I've got Sean Johnson. Number 12, Harry Grant. 13, Cameron Munster. 14, Brian To'o. And 15, Greg Mazu. Yeah, so the like you said, we've touched on it a few times, depending on what system you're playing. I think that's perfect for, for round 26. That's the same I would have around 
uh, for finals 26, I should say. Um, uh, the only thing is, if you are particularly higher on Toto and Mazu, I think it's really hard to split them. So, um, mm. whatever you're vibing there. Yeah, that's it. I think I have flicked both of them around a lot. Yeah. Um, Brian Toto is one of those guys that, as well as he scores, I don't think he's quite as fun to own as Big Greg. Yeah. Um, yeah there is a little true. bit of a little bit of chat around. If it's a captain's, non-captain's, what's the better decision? Yeah. Um, Toto's probably less likely to have scores under 50, yeah. um, but Greg's probably more likely to score 120. That's right. Um, I totally agree. Just based that, yeah, Penrith seemed to put put the uh, sword away um, yeah. once teams are sort of quite wounded. So Yeah, yeah. as someone that owned Marzu, it was so much fun because, you know, the Knights go left all the time and uh, compared to Penrith where they spread it around a little bit more, you're just always on the edge of your seat thinking Greg's going to go over. Yeah, no, that's it. And as someone who did draft Greg Marzu last year in about round seven and then dropped him to waivers when Kalen Ponga got oh, hurt, no. I uh, don't want to talk about it. Oh, no. Make, you need yeah. to redeem yourself. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's <laughs> it. That's why he's high on this list now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Getting into number 16 to 20 now. Uh, 16, I've got Daily Cherry Evans. I love his finals draw. Um, yep. 17, James Tedesco. Uh, 18, I've got um, uh, Jerome Hughes. Uh, 19, Tino Fa'asula Malaawi. And at 20, well I've got Payne Haas. Anything you'd change there? Uh I will say that Haas is probably a, a good pick for a non-captains. Potentially, you could slip him a bit further down if you're playing a captains league, um, but you know, not too much further. He's still going to be the best front rower, um, I think. And you know, yeah, I know you got Tino a bit earlier, but I assume you've got him there because he's dual uh, factor and he's a bit of an upside player. Yeah, that's it. Like I, I do like his dual. I think he just seems to score more tries and 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 have attack, but. Realistically, both of these guys could be as high as you know picks at a 13, 14. Yeah. But as I've said a couple of times on this podcast, I don't love anyone who won't be guaranteed to play 80 minutes Yeah. Um, just because things happen. And, and these are also the first two guys who were put back in the garage um, when they've put, you know, put teams away. So that's a, just another thing to sort of think about as well. Sorry, where did, where did you say you had Jerome Hughes? Well? Jerome Hughes I've got at 18. Okay, so yep, I've got, yep. got him as about the fourth or fifth best halfback behind yeah. DCE and Sean Johnson. Yeah, that's similar to me. I had him at, at 15. Uh, sorry, 16. Um, so a little bit ahead, but that's just because I, I believe in him and Katoa to rise up together. But um, he's behind DCE for me as well. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm a big Hughes guy as well. I owned him last year. Um uh, and I and I'd love to own him again this season as well. Yeah. Um, having a quick look at my board now, I won't go into the many sort of details, but like the next three names that I've got just outside my top twenty are all centre wingers. Yeah. Um, guys with a bit of base, a bit of upside. Um, a couple of fullbacks are getting to, to to Cody Walker as the third five eighth. Um, the only other thing really of note, there's there's a bunch of two RFs as well. Your mate Britton Nakora. Yeah. Um, is I've got Mitchell Johnson. Uh, sorry, Mitch Moses. Rather, I'm thinking cricket on the mind. Um, <laughs> uh, Twenty six. Now, um, he's traditionally been a bit of an enigma. Um, in Supercoach, he can either go really really big or really really low. But um, the round twenty six draw for para finals is tough. Yeah. Um, and he's he's I really don't want him to be my problem. Uh, which is the only reason he's dropped outside the top twenty. But um, yeah, that's, I'm a bit yeah. of a, a bit of a Moses believer. Uh, maybe it's just because of my round twenty seven finals. But even round twenty six, I do think yes, he's got those lower scores. But 
I think he's um, he's shaping as a player that's going to have more consistent scores and that goal kicking. And I and you know he averaged sixty eight last year and uh, seventy uh, the year before. I don't think those uh, if he was able to do between you know sixty eight and seventy, I'd love that for round twenty uh, for twenty twenty four. Yeah, and look, it's fair enough too because he does have a decent uh, floor with the goal kicking um, yeah. and 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 make a fair amount of tackles. But um, I've seen him score. 20 too yeah. many times. Yeah. Um, but uh, like yeah. having said that as well, Parramatta, like the, the way that they put away Melbourne Storm regularly, yeah. like they could e- easily come out during that period and smash all of those games. I wouldn't be shocked. But nah, anyway, that not after the, that uh, Raiders trials loss on the weekend. They were going to be shattered after that. So, yeah, true. <laughs> Good call. Um, look, that's the top 20. That's my top 20. Um, yeah. Thanks for your feedback as well. And as we said, we'll go into more detail um, on the website. Uh, any subscribers as well, if you've got questions, you're doing your pre-draft rankings, um, give us a shout-out in the WhatsApp and we're very happy to answer your questions ahead of your big draft day. Uh, we're in the home stretch now, mate. The, the final section before we get to the listener Q&A is about sleepers. Now, yeah. um, for any people who are new to draft, do you just want to explain what the notion is of a sleeper? Um, for me, a sleeper is someone that is quite uh, far down people's pre-draft lists. So they might have gone poorly the year before and the average from the year before means that they're they're quite far down a pre-draft list. So, um, and in round 20, uh, and in year 2024, they're going to bounce back and jump up the their average from last year, whether that be from injury or position change or minutes. Um, that's what I think a sleeper is in my mind. Yeah, nice. No, I think that's um, I think that's a that's a good definition. And um, obviously, when it comes to um, some of the biggest stars of our game, uh, the improvement's pretty obvious, right? Like you think about guys like Ryan Pappenhausen, whose last year's average is going to be nowhere near um, where you're going to take him on a on, on a pre-draft board. Um, but this uh, section is really designed to talk about. Um, uh, going deep on the draft, and these guys that you're going to be taking after pick 100, most likely, um, and uh, could present a bit of value um, in some trickier positions on there. Um, so, Stevie, why don't you you jump out and, and throw a few names that you'd like to sort of uh, shout out as sleepers uh, yeah. for people to keep an eye on? Yeah. So uh, the first few guys I'll just talk about, just mainly, uh, I consider them sleepers based on what they're being named on. Um, in the first two trials and the, the positions they've played in the trials. So I think they've got some value, uh, especially if people have already done their pre-draft list. So um, Arrow getting the edge uh, role for South Sydney is, is huge, I think. I think that's a much better position than a front row forward rotation. If he can get 80 minutes on the edge, I think there's value in getting him um, much better than... I think he had a 48 average uh, last mm. year off the top of the dome. Um the other one is Kane Radley. It looks like he's going to potentially get that spot at Melbourne Storm ahead of Sean Moore. Oh, yeah. There'll be job security issues there, but you know he jumps up to your draft board. Uh, Satili looked really good for the Roosters. I think I would probably, uh, and you know, I think people might go Wong and Angus ahead of him, but I think there's a chance Satili gets either edge row or even a decent front row forward rotation with what he was playing for, playing like on the trials. Um, and then the last one there is Aitken. I know he's a little bit a little bit down my list of those those guys, but he has been named on the edge. Um, and if you can get a um, an edge back row playing 80 minutes in your CTW, he's a decent third or fourth centre winger. You still want those upside guys, but he'd be mm. great to have as your base. 
Yeah, look, he's um he's a guy I've owned in many occasions over the years. You and I can yeah. um, always will do a job. The the only concern I have over him is just the sheer amount of forwards they've got yes. um, at the Dolphins, yeah. and uh, I think yeah. the fact that Connolly um, Lemuelu uh, yeah. may be returning from injury. Yeah, um, there is a yeah, I, there is a bit of a question mark, but I guess. Um, and you know there is a risk that he doesn't even get a spot at all because now they've got heaps of centers as well. So um, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think his days in the centers are well and truly numbered now. Yes, um, given that it looks like Jake Averillo can't even make that team. Yeah, and um, then jumping in, yeah, sorry, you go, quickly, very quickly, and then two guys that I think are just gonna, I, you know, I think it's been said uh, over so many podcasts around Max King and Carras and all those guys. There's two guys that I don't think have been spoken about that much is uh, Sione Katoa. Uh, for the Sharks, and he averaged, I think it was 48 last year. Yeah, about 48. Yeah, 48. And the years before that, he's pretty consistent and averaged 60, so I think there's a decent improvement in him. I think he'll get back to that 60. Uh, he won't be a 48 average player. Um, and then Oates as well had a horror run last year. I think he played like three or four games, um, looking very fit, and you can get him um, decently late based on where he's in the, in, in the pre-draft list. Yeah, good, good shout. There's certainly two guys um, I've got on my mind at uh, center wing. Um, Katoa's an interesting one. I've got a lot of mates who are Sharks fans and yeah. um, can't, haven't ever really been able to explain to me why he fell off a cliff yeah, last like year. Yeah, he wasn't so injury he affected or anything. Like, when I look at it, well, I was, That we know of. Yeah, that we know of. Maybe yeah, that's true. what we're... Yeah, I think that's that, true. that could be where the issue lies because yeah. um, in the past, he's he's had decent base. Yeah. Um, but... You know, even Ronaldo um, sort of seemed to be picking up more runs last year uh, yeah. for the Sharks. So, yeah. I just think that, like, you know, I, I, like, I've like i said it a few times, Nakora's uh, working on his game-playing abilities. Mm. Well, I think he's got more to be there. He's on hindsight. He's got to go way better than 48. I think high 55 will be his floor. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. And without sort of trying to muddy the waters too much into Tim Williams' world, yeah. um, bit of a sneaky one for classic yeah, as well. Very true. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, we don't talk about classic here. <laughs> no, we don't. It's draft <laughs> only. Yeah, yeah. Look, getting into my sleepers, um, man, I, I agree with everyone that you've um, mentioned on your list. That Kane Bradley from the Storms, a uh, interesting one. Um, did play a couple of years at the Tigers in reserve grade, so um, a name I've, I'm familiar with. Um, oh, so Storm are going to turn him into a quality back rower after Yeah, the just like him and Bloor yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. But, you know, just you still have Jack list. Howarth yeah. know, somewhere in the cupboard there yeah. um, wanting to sort of get his opportunity. But um, a, a guy who I really like, um, if you're in you know, a lot of trouble at halfback, is Tanner Boyd um, from the Gold Coast. Now, um, last year, I think he averaged in the mid to late, uh, mid to high 40s, um, just basically off the back that, He's a really good tackler um, and he kicks goals for a high-scoring team. Where I see potential for him to uh, outscore that average is the fact that he's finally got some edge partners now um, who are really quality footballers. Um, He's either going to be playing alongside at 2RF... uh, uh, David Fafida, um, who you think he's going to be on the left, but really with, it's a coin flip what Desi's going to do, um, or Bo Furmore, um, who's a really, really quality player. Um, and plus he's got AJ Brimson um, as his centre partner. So Boyd is a guy who I think could present um, value late in drafts. Um, people probably not going to be looking his direction just based on name alone. Um, I'm not suggesting he's going to push into the top 12 halfbacks at all, but I think he could do a lot worse. Um, then find him, and I think that he could average um, at least fifty, potentially up to fifty-five as well, just with yeah. those sort of improvements to the uh, to the Gold Coast Titans. I, I really like that, and especially like 
you know, there is a world, like you said, there's a world where Fafita could play with him and that could, you know, he could get 10 points just from Fafita outside of him in his average. Oh, it'd be more than that. If, yeah. he, if Fafita goes to that edge, it'd be 15 to 20 a game. Yeah. I mean, with the amount of line breaks that he makes. And I think that, you know, that was the whole narrative last preseason was that they were best mates from high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, 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 the Keeper boys. So. Fafita, Bofoma, yeah. that made them switch. That was the, yeah. the story that came out, yeah. Exactly right. Um, the next guy on my list, um, and again, I think this is also the beauty of drafting late uh, rather than sort of too early, is Anari Tuala. Now, he, according to the Knights' uh, guru, Barry Tui, mm-hmm. seems to have won the race for that right wing spot uh, that Dom Young vacated. Um, and look, it's really good real estate. We saw it again on the weekend in the trial. Um, I think it was David Armstrong, um, a player that only Knights diehard fans knew. Uh, he scored two and set up one. Um, so the right winger at Knights, um, for, for me, presents um, a, a bit of value. He's not necessarily a player that you want to play every single week. Um, I don't know if his base stats are going to be good enough that that's bankable. Mm. Um, but he's, I he think... base twenty five last year, but you know I think he could potentially push up into the he into the high thirties with his runs uh, for just yeah. a base. He's not going to be a horrible horrible guy that lets you down with his floor. Yeah, no, he's he's certainly got some potential there, and I think that what I also like about the fact that he's going to get that wing is that. It's probably going to mean more run for Dane Gagai, just given that um, Tuala's not a noted carrier out of his own end. So I think Dane will probably be putting his hands up to do more of that tough stuff. So um, I I love that. Um, A third guy, and this is certainly my Tigers bias coming through, but I I don't mind Stafford Toa. Um, Now, he's a guy who's probably going to go undrafted in most leagues, but he averaged 49 last year. Um, You take out that time he gave Valentine home, that's the bath at Leichhardt Oval. AKA the eighth one, wonder, AKA the greatest night of my entire life. <laughs> um, but he's got really good base. Um, every time he runs, he breaks tackles. He's got offloads in his game. Um, so he's a really sneaky one who I think can sort of push towards a 55 average and he's fairly consistent as well. Um, might not have like a heap of tries or huge sort of games, but I, I do like him as a guy that I don't think anyone's looking at, um, particularly with that Tigers round one buy. That does rule him out for a lot of people, as does the round 26 grand final. But um, he's probably going to present value in your draft. My, um, only, and then, my only worry of him is his job security. Is, has he, is he injured at the moment? Is, is that why he hasn't no, played? Okay. he's fine. He's, okay. he's been named to play in the Tigers okay. trial this weekend. And um, like on potential alone, he is light years ahead of... Yeah. Any yeah, of the, the guys the coming yeah. through, like Brent Naden can, you know, he can go back to the Bulldogs for all. Um, <laughs> I'm concerned. I feel he, he, the jobs is, is, is okay. him and Olams. So, um, and even Asu Kapoa, um, he's now a second rower these days. So, um, I think he's safe and I think he's he's a really, really good player. I won't find um, the Tiger supporter on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's wise. Um, and look, the final guy, this is a guy who I think draft people have been really sort of keeping an eye on. Um, but Adam Elliott. Now, um, last year he was really injured. Uh, to start the season, I think he had an Achilles issue or an ankle issue that he was went into the season with. He aggravated in round one, and then we didn't see him until sort of round twelve or thirteen. I mean, also just that's given me flashbacks to the fact that I did draft him last year as well. I think off the advice of maybe Guru um, that he was a really solid player. But um, he's a guy who you'd expect to take that starting lock position um, for the Newcastle Knights and finished the season really, really well. Sort of showed that potential, and um, he's a guy who can easily average fifty-five to sixty um, at two RF. He's not going to, again, score you big tries and sort of go 80, 100 plus, but um, a really reliable scorer who, um, you know, loves tucking under his arm um, and running and sort of, you know, running backwards into tackles and sort of offloading and stuff like that. So um, Elliot, you, I've typically taken him in mocks, um, picks, you know, 110 plus. 
Um, and he's sort of there fairly consistently. I think his average last year was only sort of 50, so he's falling sort of pretty low. But I do really like him if you can grab him really late in your draft. Yeah, I totally agree. If uh, I think we just chatted a bit off air and um, <laughs> we both sort of revealed our hands that like, he's one guy that we're super keen on. Um, like you said, that that injury, him being X Raider as well, and uh, showed a lot of love to the club. Also, ticks a little bit more, a few more boxes for me as well. Um, he's just a he's just a keener. He just he just loves work. Yeah. Yeah, he does. I I honestly thought he didn't really sort of suit the Knights' attack. Yeah. Um, given that they are such a lateral team, um, and he just like in so many runs, he's either passing way before the line, um, without really sort of engaging it or just sort of tucking it under his arm and taking it out. But um, for whatever reason, it worked. They scored lots of points when he was on the field, and um, I think he can have a good season if he stays fit, which I which I hope he can do. Nice. So we are getting into the final stretch now, and I'm going to merge the next two sections. We've got. Uh, a bit of a list of Q&A uh, that has come in. But um, one of the questions from Will, uh, one of the SE Playbook subscribers, um, has asked that in the chat we've been discussing um, a bunch of different strategies for how to actually approach your draft, the types of players you want to target, how you want to sort of organize yourself. Um, I've given four strategies that I have have used in the past uh, and Will has asked what is the best one. So we're going to have a bit of a chat and pick your mind, Steve, um, uh, the draft expert, 12 years of experience uh, <laughs> no on, on, on the best way to, to um, approach your draft. So what we'll do first and foremost is we're going to talk through a couple of these different strategies that you can um, take to approach them. And I think that the overarching message I want people to take away from this is that there isn't one right way to do draft because not everybody in the league can chase the same strategy. Um, and, and the facts are that if everyone is chasing the same strategy, then it's going to create value in another position that other people are ignoring. So yeah. I want everyone to sort of keep that in mind as we run through these. Um, but the first one to talk through is a bit of a classic of the genre. Um, it's one that I have done more often than not. Um, and it is focusing your first three picks on some uh, crucial positions, which are fullback, halfback, and 2RF. Stevie, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is like like you. I, this is the generally the one I um, stick with. Uh, we've talked about in this episode how important fullback is, um, those high upside tariffs and you know those quality elite halfbacks. They're going to get you a lot of points, so that's why I feel like that the, that's a priority for me. And it's generally the one I stick to. And like you said at the start, not everyone can do this approach because it's going to create value elsewhere. But um, this is the ones I this is the one I I prefer to go with if I can. Yeah, nice. And look, I've tested doing this in different sort of ways around getting a 2RF first and or getting a halfback first and then into a fullback and things like that. And um, uh, every time I do this in mocks, I'm genuinely more happy with my final team yeah. uh, than I am. And, and look, some of the things that have happened um, – and, and, and look, I think the other thing with this strategy is that this is really good for if you're either like a top four pick within a 12-man league or like potentially even like a bottom four pick in a 12-man league. There are positions in that top 10 where you're going to be faced with a decision to either take potentially it's a Dylan Brown or a Pappenhausen um, or a Cameron Munster, a David Fafita or a Harry Grant. And you could be looking at the strategy saying, I've got to divert from this. And that's fine too. Um, I've just found that typically um, whenever I deviate from this by either taking one of those high value hookers or a 5 um, I feel too weak 
in one of those crucial positions of either fullback or halfback. And yep. it doesn't make me as happy, but that's not to say that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, and even if um, you do deviate and, you know, you see value in Fafita or Grand or like those people that you said, you can just come back and try and fill those other positions uh, after you've done that, found that value as well. If you find, feel more comfortable, which I generally do, uh, find some value elsewhere, then come back to it. Yeah, no, good, good chat. I, I should say that um, underpinning that strategy is like a very conscious decision to ignore front row forward altogether yeah. um, until basically like your final pick of the draft or close to it, um, which does mean that, you know, you can always still sort of fill those other crucial positions on there before you get some plotter who's going to get you between sort of 40 and 50. Um, the next strategy is really the, the stack your pack. And this is where we talk about um, aiming for those big boys, your two RFs, maybe your front row forwards, those guys who can really score consistently for you week on week. They might not have the ceiling, but they're definitely not going to have the floor um, this is one that a lot of non-captainers leagues can sort of think about. So what are your thoughts on this, Steve? Um, personally, I this is probably the one I uh, used the least. Probably eight years ago, I used this one as my main one when you had the likes of Sean Fensom, um, Gallon, and Corey Parker running around the, the, the field. And, you know, Supercoach was generally a little bit more prioritized to those, those stack-the-pack um, strategy. I feel like we're moving a little bit more away from that. Maybe it's just my feel. Um, I generally avoid this one just because, yes, you can get me, you can get consistent guys in the pack, but I can also get cons- pretty consistent guys that aren't too far off the elite guys um, further back in the draft. Like, you know, later rounds, I can get a front row forward that's not too far off. Yes, it's not going to be Payne Haas, but it's not going to be too far off Junior Paulo, who's probably the third uh, front row forward or fourth front row forward. Yeah, no, well well put. I, I would say that this strategy is really, really good for getting league um, wins head-to-head week on week. Yeah, yeah. But where it can uh, fall down is finals, um, given that your pack are generally not the guys with the big ceiling who are going to go sort of 90 you know, 20, 20 or 30 points above their average, um, you know, for four weeks in a row when they're scoring tries. Um, but uh, apart from that, like I generally find there's at least one or two people in the league who are doing this strategy, um, making it to finals and, and taking it pretty deep. Um, it's just for me not as uh, not as appealing as, as the first one. Um, the next one, Stevie, is the all spine really. So just filling yeah. up your spine and prioritizing your spine positions. And this is a really interesting one because there's always two schools of thought. Like we already spoke about the hooker position and the fact that there might only be three blokes who average over 65. Um, but that sometimes that can mean that you can ignore it until late and find value in the draft. But sometimes it means that you should go early. Yeah, that's get right. Get one of those guys and then have a 20-point head start on everyone else in the in the league because you own a position that's got rare upside. So what do you think about building your spine first as a strategy? I don't mind this one as well. Like I uh, I think this is probably my second most used behind that fullback uh, halfback to RF priority. It's just it's the I call it it's basically a Panadol solution to any headaches that you're going to have later on. There's nothing worse than being midway through the year and going through the wave of trying to find a fullback or halfback or five eight or a hooker and you're just constantly rotating through and week on week you can't find a dude that can get your 40s um and then this just saves a lot of headaches and you generally get a guy that's going to be there um the whole year and you're not you're not going to have to change at all and they've got some high ceiling some of those spine players as well hmm. yep no they, they do i think that this is a strategy i really like in say six to eight man leagues where teams in general are just going to be more stacked but yep. If you're the person who can own 
um, the best player or, the, or a top two player um, at each of those spine positions, um, it gives you such a natural advantage week on week against your competitors. Um, in deeper drafts, like 12 or 14 man, I think that there's potentially um, like a mix. But again, someone's always going to do this strategy in each competition. Um, and it's it's not a bad one by any stretch. And the final uh, uh, approach um, that you can take is, is chase ceiling. And this is the guy that I hate versing week on week head to head because you're going to lose sleep if you're coming up against the owner of Ronaldo Molotalo, Alex Johnston, um, you know, these guys who can any week um, go 100 plus with, with you know, a hat trick of tries. Um, this, is a, this is a really stressful one to come up against where you probably sacrifice consistency by targeting guys um, typically in your backs um, but typically with really, really high upside and sort of um, uh, lower consistency in your league. So what do you think about this one, Stevie? I think you put it the best that it's the – this is the strategy that like – and I t- tend that you can you can apply this to, or um, you know, every pick that you make. You, you, are you choosing a consistent base guy or are you chasing that ceiling? So, um, But it, particularly in those first picks, if you're – got a scary team um i tend to like this strategy because it means you're a chance of winning finals if you've got that guy that 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 four first pick that can go 120 and all of them can do that um it's it's scary and you know like you said when you come up with opposition that has that you you can lose sleep and it's one of those things that you always want to have the guy that people are most scared of so um I I tend to like this strategy quite a bit as well. So and, it's, and you know for a captain's league, this is probably a, a no-brainer to use this one uh, in varying spots in the draft and even in those first four picks. Definitely, you wanted to chase that ceiling. Yeah, nice. And I think it's it's well put. And like to sort of put a practical example to this, the the, the ceiling chaser is going to have absolutely no hesitation in. Um, reaching into the late first round to get a Greg Marzu. Yeah. Um, and potentially like a Val Holmes um, in round two, um, you know, before they get to, you know, their, their halfback, their 5 eighth, these positions where they're, they're just probably looking for consistency. This is going to be the guy who probably owns Drew Hutchinson, um, That's you know, right, yeah. in, in his halves um, all season or a Tanner Boyd, um, just for like a consistent score that can come in. Um, and he's going to be looking at his matchups and either, you know, entering the weekend saying, well, I don't care. Um, or you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna knock over the champion with this. You know, this is this is the basball approach, right? And uh, and the beautiful thing about basball is that you know, if you win, you're doing something revolutionary and different. And if you lose, it's everyone else's fault. Yeah, so, um. <laughs> and you're chasing that ceiling over anything else, and that means ignoring injury sometimes as well. So the ceiling guy is going to chase that turbo, that that puppy, um, and the consistent guy with Harry Grant, and you know, Payne Haas might. Uh, might get him on a really, it might get that uh, Pappy and Turbo owner on a really bad week and could win it, but um, the other guy might be a bit more consistent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good chat, man. That's that's four approaches. Was there any other approaches that you sort of wanted to call out? I, I just wanted to sort of have a, a final note on this. Um, I just like you said at the start that uh, I think that's all the approaches you can really take, but being flexible in how you draft is really key and. Um, it's a fine art. So you just got to try and not panic and look for value when, when you can and, um, you know, try and enjoy whatever strategy you take to try and stick to it as well. Yeah, no, look, 100%. I think you said it really well. And, and for me, what's the most important thing around all of these strategies is having a pre-draft board that is as organized as you can make it 
with um, uh, your players ranked probably as far back as 100 um, and maybe even further um, if you've got the time because while you can start going down one path, what you can't ignore on draft day is value. And if you're sitting there with a pick in the 50s, seeing a guy that you think could go as high as 20 or 30 available on the draft board and he's at a position that potentially you were going to deprioritize, just say it's hooker, um, you know, then that is when you can pounce and get a real advantage over your league. And um, Steve, that sounds like what unfolded for you with Damien Cook yeah. in your league and probably why you're sitting here with a bit of a smile on your face, not too stressed about the rest of your team. Yeah, I mean, ideal, like I said, ideally I wanted that fullback, halfback, two RF in my first three picks, but just the way it worked out, I... um. I ended up going for that that spine play, and and um, yeah, I know he's just going to do a job for me all year. I'm not going to have to worry about him. Yeah, nice, awesome. All right, well, that's a, that's our strategy chat. And of course, any questions from the subscribers, please jump into the WhatsApp. And we're going to finish today with a couple of listener questions which have come in. Um, the first one actually relates to that strategy chat. It's from Braden, and he says, "So with those four draft methods um, of them, what do we think are the best ones for non-captains leagues, and which is the best for a captains league?" Stevie, what do you think? Uh, I think we touched on it just there, but I think that chasing that ceiling um, is key in, in a captain's league. I'll mix between that and the fullback and the halfback to RF priority. I think those are the two strategies I generally try to um, employ in a captain's league. That's it. And non-captain's league, I really think any any of them can can work. Yeah. Um, I would say that it sort of depends, I guess, on your risk appetite. Um, if you're chasing ceiling, it's going to be a roller coaster um, for your whole team. It's going to be up and down. Um, you're going to have some big wins and you're going to have some huge losses as well. Um, you're, you're stacking your pack and start filling your spine first is probably where you're going to get your most consistent scores. And in that instance, you're never really playing the opposition. You're really just sort of um, playing against yourself. And if you can sort of get to that, um, you know, a good average score each week. You're going to win more than than, than, you, than you're not. Yeah, um, and there's likelihood that you finish, you know, top one or two over the the ladder in that non-captain's league, but that's still that scary ceiling guy and the other strategies could beat you in the finals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, next question is from Will, and he asks, so if we miss out on Grant, which I assume means that he's probably a, sort of a late first-round pick, how highly should we rate the great man Apisai Korosau from the West Tigers <laughs> with his goal kicking? Um, this is a really interesting one because I think for me, I had him probably sort of picks 115 to 120 plus as like a value guy you can pick up later in the draft. But how high would you take him now, Stevie, knowing what you know? Um, oh, I, I was pretty keen on him as we discussed last uh, episode. But even now, I think I'd take him three or four just because around three or four just because and he's probably my third hooker i'd probably still go grant jmk and now appy over cook um given what we know i know there's a chance he gets um subbed for simkin or another hooker and there's also a chance that uh, the tigers don't score too many points for him to kick goals but i still think he's going to be the main dude um and he's now he's got goal kicking as well yeah, nice. No, well put. I think for me personally, just because I don't really like the hooker position that much, I probably wouldn't take him ahead of maybe pick sort of 80, yeah. maybe 70s. Um, but that also, again, just comes down to sort of my thoughts or preferences for the position. That's but, fair. Hey, he's a tiger, so um, <laughs> I, I don't hate it. You might the get the rush of blood. In, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that orange tends to do it. I think um, the only thing to sort of keep in mind with the Tigers, again, if you're playing around 26 grand final, um, you want to have yes. them that week because uh, they're on the buy, and that's probably what's stopping me yeah, from that's, that's bumping him up until the 60s. 
Um, and the final question, this is from Krusty, and he has asked, when we're evaluating our talent, when we're looking at our top 30s, how do we split the gun centre wingers and the gun to RF? So the you know, comparisons he's given are like Ola Kawatu and Valentine Holmes, um, Decora, Dane Gagai. So what are we sort of thinking about in terms of the way to split your centre wingers and your two RFs when you're pre-draft board? Yeah. I think for me it works well with um, like having my rain man uh, spreadsheet, like I said last episode. I have all the players on a spreadsheet and I look at their averages from last year and what I think they're going to average this year. And you can see start to see a bit of a gap. I know not everyone's going to go into that that much um, effort, but if you see, if you just look at their um, averages from last year, you start to see a little bit of a gap between the elite players and then you can see the a gap uh, down to the next players. And so you start to see that natural gap and where you can sort of bunch them up. Um, so if I was using that practical example over Ola and Val, um, let me have a look at their averages. So Val averaged 72 last year and Ola Quato averaged 69. So I've, I would say they're pretty close on averages. Uh, I would I would still take Val higher um, than Oluquado, but I think both of them are pretty much elite options in their position, and they're both deep positions. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think for me, um, I just I just really like to mix them up. Yeah. Um, I think I've got as many CTWs in the top 30 as I do 2RF. Yeah, same. Um, and I think it probably just comes down to when it's my turn to pick, um, maybe that round three, round four, um, who's the best available talent uh, on deck um, when it presents itself. You know, I, I think at the moment I've, I do have Val um, over Olu um, for that exact same reason. But yeah. the only other thing that you could sort of split them on is final straw. Yeah. Um, you know, Val's pretty matchup proof, but he's got a shocker. Yeah. And um, Olu's Olu got yeah, you know, that Tigers in the Bulldogs. So they're tough. Yeah. That's very tough. What about Nakora and and Gagai's? Is he asked about? Yeah. Look, I, I think on I, I would say definitely Nakora yeah, in that sense, me just too. because I think he presents um really good base and a good final straw. Yeah. Um, over, and the over as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But I think like I've got Nakora probably as high as like three or four on yeah. two RFs, whereas Gagai's maybe like sort of eight. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm very similar, but yeah, they're nice. probably a little bit less than Gagai as we talked about earlier. Yep. And then one more final question, and this is a one from Danny who has asked, "What's the best strategy for your bench?" And this is from a draft rookie. But um, Steve, we'd love to get your thoughts. I think for me, there's probably two things that I look at. So one would be um, I favor jewels. Yeah. Totally um, agree. Yeah, guys that I can sort of slot into a few different positions are really, really good. Particularly if you've got a shallow bench, like a four-man bench or something like that. Um, and then the other thing that I sort of think about is just if there's just someone that I can't give up if they're amazing value, because you might be talking about um, you've got a full back, but say Jareem Bull is still on the board, you can pick him up, and then the guy who doesn't have one might come knocking. Um, you could get a trade out of it. So they're probably the two things that I think about is positional coverage with jewels. Um, any crazy value. And then the final thing I didn't mention actually is probably just rotational players at center wing who I can play on matchups. Yeah. What about you? I, I think in a perfect world, that's exactly what I'd do as well. I'd look for jewels, center wingers, and tourists that can rotate on um, matchups. Um, one thing I do like to use with my bench, and I've had to do it this year, is if you're drafting and you've actually found yourself quite short on a position, like with me, I've, I've got a fullback I've got to try and cover. I don't mind having a having a couple of fullbacks on my bench and just to see how those first few rounds or trials play out, just to try and get uh, a position that I'm quite um, skinny in, have some backup options and try and um, get them later in the draft on my bench. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good shout. And, you know, the, the example for me that I've done in mock is 
if I'm the guy who gets a Ben Hunt or a Jamal Fogarty, yeah. I'll probably reach a little bit earlier to get a Braden Trindle on my bench um, just as positional cover and somewhere where I'm just not as confident. So, yeah, good good shout. Yeah, nice. Nice, man. Well, look, that's it. It's been an absolute beast of a podcast. I thought it might have been. Um, we, had, we, we had a lot to cover, uh, yeah. but, um, mate, it's been real. Um, I know you've already gone through your main draft. We've got a second one actually coming up this uh, yeah. Saturday night that we're, we're both featuring in. So like each other. Yeah. That's it. It'll be a bit of fun. Um, we'll keep the subscribers up to date on um, how that sort of draft unfolds. But, um, mate, pl- absolute pleasure to talk to you. Big as always. Thanks for your input. Yeah, mate, I've loved it. I could do um, hours and hours of talking about draft, especially this time of year. It's perfect. So I hope everyone else has enjoyed it. But uh, I've loved your company. Yeah, thanks, Stevie, mate. You too. Um, I hope all the listeners enjoy it. As I said before, um, uh, subscribe to the SC Playbook podcast. Go to the website if you are a subscriber. There's more detail on all of these rankings and positions um, overall there. And if you've got any questions, hit us up in the WhatsApp. And most of all, Enjoy your draft day. Good luck. Pick well. Stay calm. Uh, any other words of advice? Back your boys, people? the people that you think that are going to go well. Um, back your gut. Get them earlier rather than later. Yeah, no, that's a good call. You always want to own the guys you like to watch. So yeah. that's it from us. So thanks so much for tuning in uh, and we'll speak to you soon. Awesome. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 